Hello, everyone. Welcome to your latest episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with your host, myself, Laura Matsu, and my husband, Bernhard Gunther. And on this episode, we are going to talk about past lives, karma, and soulmates. And just to preface, I know that some people who listen to the podcast may not believe in past lives, may get into all sorts of fringe beliefs and theories about them. If that's you, this podcast is just going to trigger the hell out of you. But if you're really interested in past lives and karma and soulmates, then please listen and we're going to share a lot of our thoughts about this. So in this episode, we're really going to talk about why rebirth, why karma. Um, we're also going to discuss the different types of karma and how they relate to requirement or necessity for our growth. We're going to talk about how past lives can affect us uh, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and physically and spiritually. We're also going to talk about soulmates and karmic relationships from other lives, how to recognize souls that you've known from other lifetimes, how this relates to astrology. And we're also going to answer some Instagram questions that we got about past lives. And in the second hour, for those who don't know, we always do a second hour for members of the Veil of Reality community. So if you want to sign up for that, you go to veilofreality.com under membership and you can have access to all of our second hours from our podcast. We're going to go much deeper and we're going to talk about karmic complexes and how they show up in our lives and how to um, identify what they are. We're going to talk about some personal experiences with past lives common past lives trauma, ideas on how you could potentially work and integrate with past life memories. And we're also going to talk uh, about collective karma. So this is more humanity's karma as a, as, a, as a species and how this relates to karma from Atlantis and Egypt, and then tying it into some recent events, how this could also relate to transhumanism, materialism, etc. Um, and before we get into it, I just want to make a quick announcement um, that the, I think it's like the 11th round or whatever, quite a few rounds of Embodied Soul Awakening. The last one has filled up. Um, so we only take 35 people per cohort. And people are already asking me when's the next one. So I'm just going to throw out some of those dates. Um, basically, we're going to start taking applications most likely very early June, maybe end of May. And then the dates for the next one will be August to November. However, this one sold out like weeks before. So if you want to get in and to the next round, I highly recommend signing up to the waiting list and putting in your application as soon as we open in mid-May, early June. So if you want to be put on the waiting list for the next program or learn more about it, just go to www.thetimeoftransition.com and you can learn more and put yourself on the waiting list. Excellent. So let's dive into this. is a very exciting topic, past lives, karma, and soulmates, because many, many things come into the equation, and we're going to touch upon all of that. Uh, but as Laura mentioned, I just want to also give it a little preface, because I've seen a lot of people, especially in the so-called fringe truth movement, uh, the idea that uh, rebirth, the rebirth cycle over the ages, actually soul entrapment to keep us in this prison planet, uh, or that karma is actually a matrix trap too, that there isn't such thing as karma. So I, you know, personally do not um, believe in these kind of versions or beliefs based on personal experience and having studied esoteric traditions and even from a logical sense. So uh, I feel soul evolution is part of the setup of our soul incarnating over lifetimes and all that. And we're going to want to share some quotes uh, regarding that. For example, uh, Sri Aurobindo, on, I highly recommend the book, The Philosophy of Rebirth. And he writes, if there's an evolution of consciousness in an evolutionary body and a soul inhabiting the body, a real and conscious individual, then it is evident that it is the progressive experience of that soul in nature which takes the form of this evolution of consciousness. Rebirth is self evidently a necessary part, the sole possible machinery of such an evolution. It is as necessary as birth itself, for without it, birth would be an initial step without the sequel, the starting of a journey without its father steps and arrival. 
It is rebirth that gives to the birth of an incomplete being in a body its promise of completeness and its spiritual significance. Now, it's important also to understand when we talk about a rebirth and past life and soul evolution over lifetimes, that we as we are not, have not ended evolution. Even as Sri Aurobindo said, man as it is right now is a transitional being. We have not really fulfilled or finished our evolution, our soul evolution, soul embodiment over many, many lifetimes. Um, so in that sense, uh, rebirth assists in learning the lessons over lifetimes and lifetimes based on the law of karma, law and cause effect, many other universal laws as well. As the soul grows, that's also important. You see this in various esoteric traditions talked about. Gurdjieff talked about the necessity to grow the soul, connecting to essence. So over lifetimes, the soul grows through experiences, makes its presence more and more and uh, is brought to the front, so to speak, and then um, takes conscious uh, control over even the in, uh, reincarnation process and all that. So I just wanted to give this as a preface in a nutshell, that um, rebirth and um, soul incarnation, all of it is a natural process, a necessary process in light of the evolution of consciousness and soul evolution. Yeah, exactly. So do you want to read the rest of these quotes or should I read them about the karma? Yeah, also karma. I just want to also yeah, uh, show some of those notes, uh, quotes because again, I have to mention again, sometimes people get overly paranoid in this matrix fringe truth movement. Also claiming that karma is a matrix job. There is no such thing as karma, bad or good karma and all of that. And I think the reason is that it has... Definitely, the, the concept of karma has also become very distorted, oversimplified. So we're going to address that as well, even maybe used for social engineering, right? And all that. Uh, but it goes as back as the, you know, the hermetic principle, the sixth hermetic principle from the Kybelion. Every cause has its effect. Every effect has its cause. Everything happens according to law. Chance is but a name for law not recognized. There are many planes of causation, but nothing escapes the law. So the law of cause and effect is also known as karma. And I mean, Manly P. Hall really rides it home. And he says, universal law is as immutable as the seasons, as inevitable as the course of the stars. And no metaphysical maestro is going to alter these inevitables in 10 lessons or in 10 million lessons. The law of cause and effect is as inevitable as day and night as certain as the tides and as constant as the ages. This law says that as you sow, so, so shall you reap. What you earn comes to you, and what you have not earned can never be yours. And neither God nor man can alter the complexion of these facts. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this from an evolutionary astrology perspective as well and talk about the law of karmic requirement and necessity, because I think it's really helpful and I have to say, some people literally have an allergic reaction <laughs> psychologically or spiritually when you mention past lives, karma. It's very fascinating because in order to even perceive karma, you actually have to zoom out and see and gain a holistic perspective of reality, you know. And so even when I posted, which I'll go, go to later, uh, Instagram questions about like what questions do you have about past lives and karma, which you're going to answer later. Someone got very angry at me and asked me like multiple questions about sexual abuse and karma and like mm -hmm. just got very triggered, you know, because it is really intense to accept that everything exists for your own evolution and that yes. everything has a cause. And, you know, I think it's just that the human ego gets stuck in these really black and white, good or bad things. And honestly, I think it really takes a brave soul to take full self-responsibility for yourself. So I just want to point out that this is not an easy pill to actually truly digest psychologically and emotionally because it inherently suggests that you need to take full responsibility for everything in your life. It doesn't mean that what happened to you was quote unquote your fault, but it means that it held an important soul lesson for you. Um, so let me talk about some concepts from evolutionary astrology. Now, so the, the, uh, Jeffrey Wolf Green talks about two types of karma. He talks about karmic requirement and karmic necessity. 
So basically, karmic requirement is compulsory. You have to go through it. The laws and cause of effect are already uh, in process, and there's a necessity to revisit something that was already set in motion, including stuff that was already set in motion from past lifetimes in order, in order to learn a lesson, to create change, to create evolution in your life. And so in this case, this is where we do see sometimes difficult experiences. So, you know, this is basically when we, um, you know, when anything we do in a past life caused something in this life to happen, that's karmic requirement. Like you have to go through it. Like, and this is not black and white. It's not like, oh, you kill someone and you're going to get killed or whatever. It's not like that because the soul is working with certain lessons and it just uses whatever experiences it can to learn those lessons. So we want to see it as, you know, um, as for our benefit, for our beneficial evolution and not like some sort of punishment. And I think that's where people really get stuck is they caught in, get caught in this victim savior thing. Oh, because I was raped. I was raped in a past lifetime. No, that's not how it works. But maybe there was ongoing patterns with your sexuality in past lifetimes, which have been continuing on for many lifetimes, which is supposed to enforce a change in you. Yeah. Now, you made a good point. I think that's what I mentioned before, the oversimplification of the concept of karma. It's not always eye for an eye. Exactly what you going did is going to happen to you or yeah. vice versa in the past. Sometimes, though, it could be that case. It By the way, be, yeah. I want to address maybe at some point what you mentioned with this question on Instagram. There's a fascinating story um, uh, from a, I heard from a teacher uh, doing past life regression that working with the woman who got raped and all of that. So we can kind of talk about that, mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. came up in the past life. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it can be very just one, you know, exactly the action you did, you need to experience yourself. Yeah. But as you mentioned, it's so complex, it goes beyond the mental mind yeah. to understand because we have so many experiences, karmic lessons and past lives intersecting. Yeah. And also, you know, what I want to really talk about is that it's a subtle energy pattern that's almost that's held in your emotional, psychological, spiritual body. So it's not just black and white like the human left brain mind tends to take it, you know, like, for example, if you were raped, I mean, this is very triggering for people. So trigger warning, you know, if you're raped in this lifetime, or you have negative sexual experiences The first question to ask is, why did that happen? You know, like for me, you know, I've talked about it in other podcasts. I've had very negative sexual experiences, which I had to do a lot of trauma healing around. And this was due to self-sacrificial ways, martyrdom, you know, sacrificing myself, losing myself in relationships. It didn't really have to do with like, oh, you just abused someone in a past lifetime. I mean, maybe I did, but it more had to do with the pattern of self-sacrifice, mm -hmm. which in this lifetime helped me learn, okay, boundaries, discernment, saying no, you don't have to be available for everyone. So that's what I'm trying to point out is like on the subtle le level, on the subtle plane of reality, it's not so black and white, like you murder, you're going to get murdered. Sometimes it is, but I would say we're working with more subtle energetic patterns that can take many different physical forms. And to, and to understand it's all working in our benefit. So let me talk about the second kind, and this is karmic necessity. So karmic necessity is because you've reached a limit in your own evolution. So um, maybe there was sort, some sort of resistance in learning a certain lesson, and then the pressure build. Um, maybe it's even resistance towards something you desired. So maybe, you know, for example, um, you you were uh, d wanting to be a really successful piano player and then you gave up on that dream very young in life because someone told you you weren't good. And then the whole rest of your life, you're just working at a regular office and you're watching YouTube videos about amazing piano players. And then one day you're fired from your job And you don't have anything anywhere left to go. And then it forces you to explore this talent of piano playing. So basically karmic necessity is pushing you to grow in a way that your soul wants to grow and evolve towards. So it's not coming because of past circumstances. It's coming because you're, you've become limited in some way and it's forcing you to explore another option. So it's more oriented towards growth. It's not coming from a cause from the past. And they can obviously then also be very shocking moments, very difficult yes. conflicts going down to the underworld, the descent, very, you know, initiations, which are never easy. 
but I can relate to that in my life as well. It's not necessarily related to anything karma, in, uh, like a traditional understanding of karma of the past. Yeah, it can seem very cold, you know, for this kind of karmic necessity, but it's meant to happen for our own growth. It doesn't mean inherently can, can be traumatic at times, you know, when we're pushed out of a certain situation, but we need to understand that the soul is trying to move forward in spite of our ego's best efforts to stall it. So it's working in our favor. And to really understand the soul will attract situations that it needs to move forward and evolve in life. Mm -hmm. Before we go on with the different types of um, karma affecting the bodies, um, I want to just uh, quote Sri Aurobindo. And he, in this quote, he, it really exemplifies how complex and nuanced karma really is because everything in a sense is karma and based on the law of cause and effect. So he says, all energies put into activity, thought, speech, feeling, act, go to constitute karma. These things help to develop the nature in one direction or another. And the nature and its actions and reactions produce their consequences inward and outward. They also act on others and create movements in the general sum of forces which can return upon oneself sooner or later. Thoughts unexpressed can also go out as forces and produce their effects. It is a mistake to think that a thought or will can have effect, can have effect only when it is expressed in speech or act. The unspoken thought, the unexpressed will, are also active energies and can produce their own vibrations, effects, or reactions. So all of it is karma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that kind of leads into, you know, how they how past lives can affect us. So just to kind of wrap it up, what I was talking about before as well, you need to really understand that karma from past lives is like the concept of repetition, compulsion in society, uh, in psychology, except happening on a soul level. Mm -hmm. So some part of something in your own soul get stuck in a certain psychological, emotional, physical, or even mental pattern because of a past life experience. And because the nature of the soul, I'm kind of speaking in evolutionary astrology language now, which is seen by Pluto in the chart, um, is kind of compulsive, then we compulsively attract and repeat these traumas and attempt to heal it. And really the way out is doing inner work around the pattern. Like you need to number one, do inner work around the pattern, release some of the emotions regarding it. This is easier said than done because often, often almost always rather, karma has an entry point in this lifetime. But you also need to choose a different reaction than how you have been normally for many lifetimes. And that is uncomfortable. You have to be in that friction. But it's really important to understand that karma is a consequence of things that have happened or karma is a product of what needs to happen for our own evolution. So it's all happening in accordance with natural law. It's all supposed to be happening. And the more you can take that approach to everything in your life, and take a you know contemplative approach where you're willing to learn different lessons and look at how your soul needs to learn and grow. The less you'll fear karma, and you know that's that's how you participate in your soul's evolution. But you need to understand that the soul creates these situations that it deems necessary for evolution. Mm -hmm. If we don't participate in our evolution, then the soul dials up the intensity, and then we also experience more outer events that just pull us back to the past. Yeah. So that's very important. This is a concept of repetitive, repetitive repetition compulsion. Repetition compulsion is like the trauma stuck in trauma stuck in in a certain in the past in a almost time loop, so to speak, and yes. repeating that. And it's key when you bring in karma and past lives, right? That brings whole another layer to psych psychological work because psychological work is very important, necessary, but most of these of childhood and all of that. But based on what you said, a lot of trauma that we're having right now, we could have carried over over past over past lives, ongoing lessons or karmic lessons that then also can get reactivated yes. through a, a trauma in childhood. Exactly. Correct? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So here's more about Jeffrey Wolf Green. And he talked about how past lives affect us emotionally, psychologically, physically, and spiritually. So he talks, so one, I'm reading directly from one of his old articles and he talks about the mental body. So basically mental trauma is correlated with Uranus. Um, so these types of trauma are associated with um, psychological or psychiatric disorders, 
various brain diseases, um, unexpected changes that alter the psychological reality of the individual. Um, and so it can also create fracturing on a psychological level, you know? So this is one type that one way it can affect you. And I find this very interesting because this kind of takes like a lot of people in trauma theory talk about how trauma is stored in the body, trauma is stored in the body. But actually, if you bring it into the more spiritual context, trauma, what, which body? Just the physical body? Because if you're just mm. focusing on the physical body, that's just purely materialism. I would actually say that Jeffrey Wolf Green was more accurate in that it could be stored in multiple different types of bodies that we carry. Mm -hmm. And then he talked about the emotional body. So this is Pluto, you know. So if you want to work with this, if any of you guys are astrologers, look at hard aspects or difficult placements of Uranus and Pluto, and you can kind of start to see where potential trauma could be held. Um, so basically, Pluto trauma is associated with betrayal, abandonment, um, gross uh, abuse through misapplied trust, psycholo psychological and sexual abuse, sudden loss, experiencing cataclysmic events of a collective nature, um, that feel beyond the control of the individual, etc. And then he talks about the physical body. And he says physical body trauma correlates with Saturn. And this is related to different types of injuries. So rape, torture, intense physical illness, degeneration of the body, um, all sorts of physical you know, illnesses. And then the last kind he said is a spiritual body, which correlates to Neptune. And these types of trauma are associated with loss of faith, loss of beliefs, disillusionment, loss of values, and in rare cases can also be being possessed by an earthbound spirit. So essentially the natal chart is a map of your karma in general, like every single aspect of it from your sun to your Pluto. But what he's pointing at is how the outer planets, which he kind of includes Saturn in here, even though it's not technically an outer planet, um, showing how you could be even carrying karmic patterns from past lifetimes. So give, to give an example, a lot of my trauma signatures in my chart are Plutonian. It has to do with psychological and sexual abuse, betrayal, abandonment, you know, that shows up in my chart. And it also shows up in themes in my past lives as well. So we yeah. want to just be able to reflect on how how it can replay, even an injury in a past life, as crazy as it sounds to most people, can present itself as a physical illness in this life. And that reminds me of something. Um, we listened to a lecture with uh, some of your one of your mentors, and he talked about also this, these times we're in right now, and we see a collective theme, or even if people work with, or many people are kind of afraid to speak out. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. a fear behind it. And like, you know, like they don't want to get shunned or they want to get criticized, attacked on social media, don't want to get canceled. I just don't want to say anything. It felt very uncomfortable. Yeah. And you can see it from this basic surface psycholo psychological perspective, right? Ob obviously, maybe childhood wounding or, you know, you were shunned for speaking truth. But, you know, on a collective level, we all have similar, like you said, myself included, past lives where we are potentially killed, shunned, or burned at a stake for speaking truth. Yeah. And that affects a lot of people, especially in the medieval times. So you go back even further yeah. down history and all of that, yeah. where people were literally tortured and killed for questioning anything, you know, yeah. especially even back the church. <laughs> Uh, or the missionaries, you know, killing anybody who was not, you know, accepting Jesus as the savior or anything like this, this kind of like dogmatic medieval religious uh, crusades. Well, actually, so we all have this uh, trauma of, of betrayal uh, and being tortured or killed for speaking truth. Yeah. And that even relates to, you know, because I know I've done astrology charts for quite a few people who are in the Uranus and Sagittarius generation and I myself also have Uranus close to my south node. And keep in mind that in medieval times, a lot of the people who were originally practicing astrology were actually using Christianity and weaving it in. But then when the age of enlightenment came and it was all about science and rationalism, if you were still practicing astrology and not moving to astronomy, you were you were seen as a heretic and you were 
killed for it. So there's a lot of these kind of alternative beliefs, which are popping up again now, which by the way, also signify collective karma because souls tend to incarnate together with groups and the things that they're attracted to are indications of themes that they've gotten into in past lifetimes. So it's highly likely that considering all the other, um, you know, different esoteric and spiritual topics that are rising up is that there's a big soul group here who have actually explored these in other lifetimes and are being attracted to it again. And what you're hinting is we had a, a podcast a few episodes ago about this from the new age to dogmatic Christianity conversion that's happening. And this new rise of neo-dogmatic Christianity very much resembles, almost has a taste of this medieval dogmatic, self-righteous superiority uh, belief idea of uh, demonizing anything that they deem not Christian, like demonizing yoga, demonizing astrology, seeing this as demonic, satanic, or all, uh, you know, terror and all of that. And it really... It has this resemblance of what happened, like you mentioned, in the medieval times. Yeah, so it's very interesting because we definitely have this resurgence of interest in all these different esoteric teachings, all these different spiritual teachings, but now we're also having the rise of the ones who want to burn the witch at the stake and the witch hunts, you know? So this is also part of our collective karma, which we'll go into more in the second hour. Um, so, you know, let's talk a little bit about, um, soulmates and Mm -hmm. karmic relationships from other lifetimes. Cause I think people ask me about this a lot and then it would be great if we could leave some time to talk about some of the Instagram questions. Cause I think you'll find them. Speaking of Instagram, didn't you made, I want to, you made a post, was it on TikTok, Instagram about past lives, a a video Mm -hmm, a while mm -hmm, back mm -hmm. and that triggered also a lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Yeah. It's like. People are very passionate about this yes. topic. One I side think or the it's other. because the ego has an allergic reaction to anything mm. to do with the soul. So you yes. if you if you challenge the ego's like conditioned secure sense of reality, which is not very secure because it gets very triggered, then people tend to break their brains. Because to truly reflect on karma and cause and effect is a profound contemplation, you know? It's really profound to start to zoom out and besides seeing yourself as always the victim and they're always a perpetrator, to really see how you play a part on some sort of soul level and attracting certain circumstances, that's confronting. And honestly, what I think is happening with that is that a lot of people who haven't gone through their own healing process will find that very confronting to be introduced to that knowledge at a time when they're not ready because they'll be like, oh, you're blaming me for being a victim. And this is what happens when children are born in abusive circumstances. You know, they ha- their ego has an allergic reaction to it because they have not really contemplated, you yeah. know, the meaning behind these events in their own lives or even processed it. And so then yeah. they just attack you like you're the perpetrator, basically. Or then what I mentioned before in this French truther movement, then or oh, karma is a matrix program it's not real you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and all of that but it's very like you meant egocentric it's very short-sighted it's not even really deeply contemplated at all yeah because it projects also this human morality onto the cosmos and the divine which is you know karma doesn't work according to human laws or the human mind frame and what is what is um what is good, what is bad, what is justice, what is victimization, and all of that. It goes way beyond the mind can comprehend. Exactly. And even to see there's certain, you know, the worst experiences that people go through sometimes carry the most important soul lessons for them. Um, But yeah, people tend to get very triggered by even the concept of karma and past lives. It's pretty crazy, actually. It shows you, because to me, this is a very deep and profound essential truth of reality and most people are not like psychologically or emotionally ready to take it in, yeah. actually. Well, but like you said, we live also in the world. You know, the ego is also protects itself by externalizing everything. Same with young in shadow work. Yeah, it's yeah. easier to project and blame others. Exactly. Yeah. It is a victim, you yeah, know, instead yeah. of taking responsibility and ownership. And I have to say, as someone who had real victimizing experiences, The main thing that needs to be done in order to heal is to feel the emotions and to process them, which can be easier said than done, because often we have all sorts of defense mechanisms and suppression in place to 
prevent ourselves from feeling it. But until we do that, we're always going to lash out at other yeah. people as if they're the perpetrator. By the way, also on the, on the side note, not falling to the victim trap or taking self-responsibility doesn't imply then to blame yourself either. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's and to realize other... that there's real experiences where you could have felt victimized, but the, you know, the path of growth, the path of healing is to process it, is to find a way forward to in integrate that difficult experience into part of your own soul and use that to acknowledge uh, to um, create wisdom and depth within your own mm -hmm. soul. Um, okay, so let's talk about soulmates and karmic relationships from other lives. Mm -hmm. So um, first off, off the bat, um, the Pluto and Libra generation, um, Pluto and Scorpio as well, and as well as anyone who has, um, you know, Venus on their south node or south node in Libra or south node in Scorpio tend to attract more karmic relationships than other people. So if you have that, just to note that this signature in the astrology charts tends to attract karmic relationships. And, you know, I am personally of the view that we have certain soul groups, which include our family, people close to us, friends, even random strangers that we maybe met once who delivered us an important lesson, you know, and we all incarnate in groups together to learn certain lessons. And I think that the more that you're aligned with your own soul, the more you can start to recognize people that you've known from other lifetimes. Yeah. So I'm going to read this quote from Yogananda and then we can discuss it because it's very fascinating. Um, and he really nails it. I also have Venus on my south node. So I've attracted a lot of karmic relationships myself. And I find that the way that he describes this, um, how to recognize souls that you've known from other lifetimes is dead on. And he says... True friendship may be developed between woman and woman, man and man, or man and woman. The important consideration is that it be based upon soul qualities, not worldly qualities or attractions of the flesh. This can come only when you free yourself from the consciousness that you are a man or a woman. Oh, careful. <laughs> no, but what he's I'm talking joking, about is like, you know, the identification with the your soul. race, your gender, yeah, whatever. Yeah, because in past lives, you could have been a different race or a different gender. Exactly, right? yeah, exactly. exactly. If you are seeking, seeking such friends, pray to God, Lord, lead me to those who are friends of the past, that I may continue with them the friendship that was interrupted through separation by death. Send such friends to me because I want to help them with my thought of thee. That is a wonderful idea, isn't it? To have a friendship not for idle talk and useless pastimes, but to develop the ultimate friendship with God. Only on that plane of sincere friendship will you find lasting happiness with any other soul. Don't engage in too many, too much socializing. Socializing. They are all right once in a while, but frequent socializing takes up too much valuable time. Enjoy, enjoy divine thoughts with your friends. Use your time for God. If you find souls who will share that goal, then you can drink God together from the chalice of divine friendship. The highest duty of God has, give, has given you is to develop his consciousness in yourself and to help true friends to do the same. So long as life sweetly sings with God, it will bring you happiness to, your, to you and others. Friends that harmonize spiritually with you are therefore very important. No matter what difference of opinion there is between you and such friends, there is always understanding and communication. In that relationship, regardless of differing views, you have mutual respect and cherish your, cherish your friendship above everything else. True friendship established in God is the only relationship that is lasting. So whenever you meet people, be watchful. Notice your first reaction to them. This tells you about whether you have knew these, known these individuals before. It is not an emotion. Mm -hmm. That's key. Yeah. When you feel in your heart a deep harmony with another person, then you have known each other before. I would actually add to that familiarity is a really key one, like familiarity. So when you meet someone and you've just met them, but they feel familiar like an old friend, that's yeah. a sign that you've known this person and, for and, another lifetime. And not mistaking it for romantic projection well no well. that's the issue right, is that the, the exactly so the unresolved childhood stuff will create a romantic projection where we start to fall in love with someone who resembles one of our parents subconsciously and you then know? we say we knew each other in a past life and then all of the unmet <laughs> needs from the, the inner, inner child who's finally meeting their ideal parent figure basically gets projected on the other person so you have to understand it's not a, this deep intense emotional experience it's a recognition it's a deep harmony. It's a familiarity. I would say when he says deep heart, heart uh, you feel in your heart a deep harmony with another. 
probably that I would also translate this into meeting essence to essence, yes. self to self. Yes. And I would uh, think, and looking past experience, the more you're connected to essence and true self, then the easier the recognition is. Exactly. And you can separate it from emotional projections or attachment wounds getting triggered from childhood or anything exactly, like that. Exactly, exactly. That's basically what he's saying. So... Um, so just, you know, to, to realize that, you know, it's kind of like there's this famous quote is like, when you meet your soulmate, you're not going to get butterflies in your stomach. It's just going to be this quiet recognition. And I think that's, and you also have to be connected with your own soul. Like it's, it's easier. It's so much easier to recognize people you've known before when you're connected with your own soul. And another thing he pointed out is that it's not based on just like similar opinions, you know, similar views, you know, it's based on this mutual understanding and communication, which like soul to soul, it doesn't even matter if they align politically with you or whatever. That's a, good, you that's know? a very good point. It's not this like-mindedness is being overused, you know, even, uh, you know, some sort of uh, equated with some sort of state of awakening. Yeah. Uh, but he also made a good point. Not It's not based on worldly qualities, right? Yes. Which is this kind of like, same view of the world almost in a sense yeah worldly or, qualities is like oh she's so attractive he's so successful yeah, like she's that so one. beautiful exactly. yeah or, or attractions of the flesh you know like that's that's always the the temptation or the weak point for a lot of people they get they mistake appearances for essence yes so connecting with your own soul is a prerequisite to recognizing souls you've known before in other lifetimes so that's the key thing is that yeah i can see can i just share record yes and throughout my life definitely certain people can even my old friends even friends i have now uh, moved away from you know because certain friends stay in our lives for a certain amount of time and then you know especially over the past few years there's been definitely a splitting but I can see some of them has been on our soulmates, you know, that come together for a certain period of time to provide certain lessons to each other. Exactly. Looks back, some of my mentors and teachers have definitely met, we've interacted in past lives before. Yeah. But I would also add to that that soulmates is basically anybody you have a karmic connection or a past life connection, not necessarily like your. Uh, you're uh, going to be in an intimate relationship with can be like you said family yeah. friends as well yeah i would include in that even enemies <laughs> yes can be soulmates you had like you're starting having a battle over lifetimes you know like uh i think uh, castaneda wrote this about it uh, in in the teachings of don juan like you're always dealing with um how do you, how did he call them it slips my mind right now uh with people who kind of just basically trigger you a lot or just you have always um, a lot of conflict with and uh, with a specific person, be it in family and friend, this can be a soulmate as well, mm -hmm, having mm -hmm. a strong karmic relationship that needs yeah. to battle itself out over lifetimes to yeah. learn the lessons. Yeah, exactly. Um, and to really, yeah, it is really about learning the lesson. And this, and also keep in mind, soulmate relationships are not necessarily meant to last, quote unquote, forever. Maybe on a soul level, but on a human level, certain people come in your life, come out of your life, and they're there for a specific period, ideally, if you're learning your lessons to help you learn and grow and evolve in a certain way. But it doesn't mean just you had this meaningful experience or meant to be in your life forever. So it also is important to practice this lesson of non-attachment to these experiences. Mm -hmm. Okay, so is it okay if we go into some of the questions I got? Go ahead. Because they kind of address some other points you wanted to make. Um, okay, so here's a question from a question from Instagram. Instagram, yeah. yeah. So, how much of obtaining of past life knowledge is too much and obsessive? That's a good question. That's a very good question. So, number one, I'm going to share my own perspective on it. I personally think that through your own natural process of inner work of evolution you will start to come against complexes that go deeper beyond this life. And then is an opportunity to work for them, work with them. Personally, I'm not the one who thinks it's a good idea to go digging, you know, just as I wouldn't go digging in my childhood for certain traumas. I let them arise and actually in my consciousness and then I work with them. Um, and another thing too, is like also people need to be, get clear on their intention. If you're doing it just because you're curious, then, you know, curiosity kills the cat sometimes. That's usually not a good um, in incentive. Sometimes people are doing it just because they want to believe that past lives are real and they want some sort of confirmation. But some, but th when that's the case, what will ha usually happen with those types of people is they'll do a past life regression, they'll get all sorts of memories comes up or 
they feel and, and they'll feel I'm just making it up because their left brain is dominating too much. And another thing I've seen people do is they want to find past lives that make them feel special, that make them feel validated, that make them feel larger than life. And that's almost like this narcissistic project where you're like going back to past lives to be like, oh, I was Cleopatra. Oh, I was a king. I was this. I did all of this. Right. And it almost reinforces the narcissism in the individual. So I think personally, you should be interested in going into past lives when they start to arise spontaneously in your consciousness, or you start to realize that there's certain core themes that are popping up in your life that are very sticky and hard to let go of. So it's not useful to just go digging yourself. Just let them arise as a product of your own inner work. That's my own perspective on it. (laughs) Do you mind repeating the question again? Yeah, okay, like sorry. how much of obtaining past life knowledge is too much or obsessive? Yeah, that's so that's a very, and like you addressed it very well. Some of them, your views are mine as well. Um, because I've seen a lot of people getting obsessed with this topic, right? And it's almost can turn easily into a, a practice of spiritual bypassing, intellectualizing your past lives or wanting to have the experience. And it's impossible there <laughs> to uncover all. Uh, past life, I, I think it has its place. It can be helpful. But what I know for myself that I've processed past life trauma without knowing the, the specific past life incarnation or knowing that experience, but I was processing through my body that ex- the, the emotion, you know, yeah. of deep betrayal, grief, and all of that was definitely past life related, but I didn't have any flashbacks. But that, it was tied into this life. That's a key thing to exactly. It's, 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 but that, that's the karmic retribution. It goes over lifetimes, yeah. that line, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, having said that, I've done past life regressions. I've also studied um, a practitioner of holographic kinetics, an Aboriginal uh, healing modality that works uh, with non-hypnotic form of past life regressions. I've received that a lot. I've worked a lot with clients. It's a good modality. I don't think it's a, a um, you know, uh, how do you say, uh, master modality that fixes it all, as some proclaim. It has its benefits. It has its limitations, and you know, and all of that. And with some of these experiences i've done definitely uh, experienced a lot of past life that came up in memory flashes that helped me to process certain things having said it can be very confusing right as well at the same time mentally yes and having said that is the problem truly resolved in your life because of going back to the past that's the real question yeah yeah. the idea is to change the time and all that but what i was missing was the somatic release approach yeah on a bodily level and emotional level it's a key point so can i add something to that yeah so here's what i've noticed because i actually have had past life memories come up spontaneously and they were always hooked into an event that happened in this lifetime i'm self-aware i'm contemplative enough to to go into that but i realize that number one if it's truly a past life pattern it has a very strong almost energy current within your own field that attracts situations to you. So it becomes very compulsive. It's harder to get over than a regular pattern. But if you do do the emotional healing work and release, it becomes easier to make a different choice than the one that gravity is pulling you towards. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because that's what I know. It's too like a lot of the stuff is just a continuation. So there's even that's why the mind kind of grass it's all multidimensional everything is happening at the same time anyway time is an illusion so past lives is almost uh, or in a sense an illusion itself because everything is happening at the same time which the main mind cannot grasp yeah right yeah so another question someone asked i've heard this before so i want to really address this do you feel that those who have a strong pull to not have children are here to end a karmic cycle well, number one, hold on, hold on. Can you repeat that question? Do you feel that those who choose have a strong pull to not have children are here to end a karmic cycle? It doesn't even make sense. It is well, well, I get what they're trying to say. They think that if I don't have children, I'm not going to create more karma, etc. No, 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 no. I've heard this before, exactly. So I want to address that because I've heard this before. Um, number one, you can break major karmic cycles and still have children. And also, you know, the real way to end the karmic cycle of samsara is to literally become enlightened. That's nothing to do. That's the only way. But that's a very materialistic view of, uh, you know, just because you produce offspring, then you're in this cycle of karma because of the family line or something. Yes, exactly. You're making more karma within. Past life, you've been. That's the whole thing. People are so fixated, identified with their families, ancestors, even race. There's this whole movement now, you know, and understand the multiculturalism that's happening in Europe and the, you know, genocide of the white people. We need to save the white race, but 
very sketchy, dangerous territory. But I ask the questions: Why identify with the race anyway? I know from my own past life regression, I've been She's all kinds of different race, races. She's not talking about race, Now I know, understand what I'm saying is it goes karma in past life goes beyond the family line. Yes, that's what I'm yeah, getting yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? exactly. And also maybe a strong pull to not have children could be because you had children in a past lifetime and you experienced it as imprisoning. And so you're reacting to a continuation of your past karma with children. Like there's so many different dimensions of it, you know, even the strong pull to not have children could be coming from a karmic pattern. Or from a childhood wound and all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many effects can come in, but you still will reincarnate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With your own karmic. It goes back to the uh, when I mentioned the quote by Sri Aurobindo. Everything constitutes to karma. Thoughts, speech, feeling, act, even non-expressed thoughts, non-expressed feelings, we avoid, we suppress. All of that produces karma. Exactly. Okay, so this is an interesting question. I have my own thoughts about this. And this person asked, how come souls become reincarnated, reincarnated in a body after death, but we can still contact them? Well... One thing I've read from a couple people who do past life regressions is that that there's always a spiritual counterpart of yourself that exists in spirit form. So even though I'm incarnated right now, I also have a spiritual counterpart who can visit other people in dream states and all sorts of synchronicities or whatever. So if a soul becomes reincarnated in a body after death and you can still contact them, that's because their spiritual essence is still able to be um, in communication with you. That's yeah. my own feeling about it. I don't know for sure. I just know that my own grandmother has visited me and she could have been reincarnated by now. And that's the description that I think makes the most sense. Do you have any thoughts about that? Oh, what just came to me, uh, I wanted to address something that reminded me of something, but let's go through the questions first and then. Okay, then no worries. Okay. Um, this is an interesting one. Well, this is a pretty straightforward answer too. Are we able to sever past life contracts and be free of that karmic debt? Yes. I would say you. it's like, it's not like this like weird cord cutting thing that some new age yeah, practitioners yeah, yeah. talk about. No. You have to learn the lesson. You have to realize what the key part of um, the lesson was in that experience. And that's how you release yourself from karmic debt. And I don't even, uh, that's also me, this whole wording of soul contract also sounds very new agey. I'm like, it's more like just basic karmic lessons, entanglements. Yeah. Right? And I also think with soul contracts, it's like, you know, you're making it seem like you have it with a specific soul. No, yeah. what usually happens is you need to learn a certain lesson around relationships, around yourself, around spirituality, whatever, a certain lesson. And then you will attract souls who will be almost complementary to that lesson that you're looking to learn through your own energy field. Yeah. That's how I feel it happens. It's not like you just write up a contract <laughs> and then go for it. Like, this person is going to teach you this. Yes, there is certain complementary souls. You can souls. have also con entrapments with entities uh, bringing them over lifetimes and other beings. So that's another story. Well, yeah, this kind of ties in with this question. Are spells from past lives a thing? Yes, yes absolutely. I think there's also vows that you can take in past lives, yeah. like vows of chastity, vows of poverty, vows to never can, do something yeah. again you know you can make vows in past lives which then basically would show themselves in certain very fixed beliefs and, and a trap of agreements with other beings and entities over lifetimes can happen as well exactly exactly um okay um can, oh yeah this one's very interesting can you have future life memories or memories of being something not human? I would say yes. Like, you know, you you have to understand that your past self and your future self and your present self all exist in the continuum. So that's a great question. You know, your pat your future self is also pulling, pulling you, you forward. Yes. Some people experience that as their higher self. So um, and memories of being something not human. Well, it depends what you mean. You mean like uh, alien or something, perhaps, but definitely past lifetimes being um, non-human, uh, non-human experiences. I think that that's definitely Absolutely. true. Yeah, Especially think, um, in Tibetan Buddhism, they say that the human realm and the animal realm occupies the same realm. You know, sometimes I feel like, you know, that's a great question because the future is pulling us towards as well. Right. So, for example, when you have the place and it feels very familiar, maybe you think, oh, I've been here before, maybe a past life connection. But maybe it's also your future self is meant to be there. And, and that's why you recognize it, because that's the trajectory of your soul. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, let's see. 
How do we know if this is our last incarnation? No, well, you would not, be enlightened. You would be enlightened. Yeah, yes. I think that was the. That, that, I think that's the the thing that what a lot of people say. And I've back in my twenties also. This is going to be my last incarnation. I don't know why I signed this contract. This is it. I'm not going to come back. I hear this from so many people. That's the ego, the wounded ego, hijacking that concept. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, because your higher self knows, is wise, knows the understanding that all these are lessons without complaint, without blame, all of that. Yes. And rest and joy, the true essence of the soul. So the only way, to, there's no, no, nothing, there's, we are here to spiritualize. This is also not about escaping life. This is also the old religion. Sri Aurobindo talked about the whole idea of getting out of samskara, getting into nirvana, into heaven, and just, uh, you know, escape the world. It's, it's the same delusion like uh, people talk about, oh, we need to get out of the matrix, leave this planet, it's a prison planet. No, all these are lessons. And we're here to spiritualize humanity, ourselves, the material world, nature, and all of that. And like Sri Aurobindo said, we are in a transitional phase. This takes many, many more lifetimes, thousands of years, until all and everything is spiritualized. And we have then truly transcended death and full uh, conquered death and have a whole different appearance anyway. And I really sense. think that in order to really start to understand your karma, including your past lives, you have to be really like a deep sea diver of your own psyche. You have to be so committed to your own inner work, to your own inner workings, you know, and you're also human relationships because a lot of this karma involves other people, you know, being of service to others, finding a way that you can become a more loving person, you know. There's also, you know, to understand that every single harm you do to another person intentionally comes back around to have consciousness around your actions, yeah. your thoughts, the way that you treat other people. All of this is a way of releasing yourself from the karmic bonds of the past. And honestly, what I see in this world is that a lot of people operate mostly unconsciously. They're replaying the dynamics from the past. They're trying to hurt other people in the way that they were hurt before. And then they just get this pile up of karma. And then they wonder, why is my life so miserable? Why do people not like me? Why do people move away from me all the time? And not wanting to realize that the common denominator is them and that there's a lesson for them to learn in all those yeah, experiences. Exactly. So karma repeats until we repair it. And there's collective karma, which goes in the second hour. Of the times we're in right now, re-experiencing almost the end times of Atlantis and also ancient Egypt, which I want to talk about in more depth, um, ties into the current time we're in right now, also tying to transhumanism, ties into the COVID vaccine, which by the way, just that's reminded me that some one of these questions. Uh, you know, Thomas Meyer in his book, where and people know I've referenced this book a lot, wrote an article about it, the uh, spiritual consequences of the COVID vaccine on spirit, soul, and life after death. So there's an intention almost from these forces via the COVID vaccine because it separates the soul from the body and the consequences in afterlife that the soul gets stuck earthbound. There are earthbound spirits, more and more earthbound spirits who do not transition yeah. and interrupts the reincarnation cycle actually. Yeah. So that's happened to a lot of souls. They're not necessarily especially traumatic death and all of that they can get stuck in the earthly realm, in the low astral realm, uh, until they're released and don't make the transition, so to speak, to reincarnate. Yeah. So that's a big, big uh, danger right now that ties into the um, the agenda of the hyperdimensional matrix control system, all of what I've talked about in order to separate the soul from the body. So one thing also I want to talk about in the second hour is also karmic complexes and how they're experienced in this lifetime. So if you're more looking at how you can kind of work with this in a somewhat practical yet psychological manner. I'm going to be talking about how this kind of plays out. And then also I'm going to touch on some common beliefs from past lifetimes in accordance to different Pluto generations that are alive today. So stay tuned for that. Exactly. And if you're not already a member and want to listen to the second hour, go to my website, veilofreality.com and you can sign up to the second hour with over access to over 100 episodes. With that being said, we'll be right back.